Why don't we all try and find a way to a seat and we'll start, start our worship.
I've been held in your hands. 
Yes, I am. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm going to jump up the stage and I'm going to move a cable. And we'll, yeah, that'd be great if I can get a round of applause for Tim for the, the moving of objects. Whoa. That's why they pay me the big bucks. That's exactly right. We, I'm going to slip you a fiver after this. If I could get up the very lovely and the very new Pastor Tracy up on the stage. Now, I should say she's told me to only call her Trace, so forget I said the why. And here is your microphone, should be on. Give it a test for me. Thank you. Hello. You Hello. Take a seat. How are you? Yeah, going well. That's good. Welcome. Welcome Thank to you. Evening Service. This is your first chair meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. I know. It's first of one until I've cycled through everyone else. <laughs> um, but so we'll, we'll see you up again after two years. Let's okay. see. I've still got a lot of you to hit. All righty. So, we'll start from the beginning. Welcome to SDBC with your new employment here. Would you mind telling me how you came to faith? Okay. So, I was very, very blessed to be brought up in a Christian family. I have generations of faith uh, in my family. And I actually remember being um, four years old and overwhelmed with the love of Jesus and crying in my little bunk bed... <laughs> And um, my mum uh, came in and she's like, what are you crying about? And I said, I just want to tell Jesus I love him. And I literally remember this super clearly. This is my one childhood memory um, that is just super duper clear. And I just remember saying, I just want to tell Jesus I love him. How do I know that he knows how much I love him? That was my heart. And she said, we can tell him. And yeah, so... Um, I honestly can say that I haven't had a day in my life when I didn't know that God loves me. And I think that is just an incredible gift to have been given. And so, um, yeah, I have known that he loved me forever. There's been different times in my life where um, I haven't sought after God as, as much as um, 
I do now. Uh, and so when you when you don't seek after God, you feel like he is distant from you. But um, yeah, definitely around the age of 13, again, a massive conviction to go forward and ask to be baptised. And yeah, so uh, God has been uh, very, very faithful throughout my life. Yeah, for sure. So it's been a whole lifetime journey. So. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that journey, so how did we come into the picture in that journey so far? So what was your, can you tell us a bit about your call to come to SDBC? Yeah, so uh, I've been a pastor for 15 years and uh, last year I was uh, in a role, in a state role for kids and families with Queensland Baptists and um, Charlie actually contacted me and said, hey, have you got some spare time? Do you want to come and (laughs) uh, do some consulting here for us at SDBC? And so I... um, I did that and I really, really enjoyed my time here last year, but I did not think at any point that it was going to be a um, thing that I would pursue (laughs) in a permanent way at all until this year when I came um, and did some training. And when I walked into the doors, I felt this real uh, sense of being home. And I went home quite confounded by it and um, contacted Daryl and just went, oh, (laughs) Daryl... Uh, he said <laughs> he said to me, like, oh, have you got anybody who um, you know of? Like, send us a list of people. And I was like, I don't know if I want to send you a list. <laughs> pick me, pick me. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, you know, um, I have, uh, yeah, just felt this real sense of peace about being here. So I'm just really feeling blessed that God has just made a way for that to happen. Yeah, that's really cool. On that feeling of like feeling like you're home, have you felt that like many times before and that's kind of like the confirmation or is that like, was it like the hardest it's hit so far or? Yeah, well, actually the first time um, I uh, became a pastor um, I was telling somebody actually last week, like, I, uh, there was a role advertised in my church two other times before and I hadn't put myself forward for various reasons for that role. Um, and then, but I, I just had felt like I couldn't, couldn't pursue it. And um, in the end, actually, it was the senior pastor who rang, rang me. So two pastors had come and gone. And um, I felt very passionate about leading the next generation. And um, yeah, the pastor called me and said, "Hey, come and come and um, talk to me about doing this role." And I was like, "Hang on, you don't understand." And you know, I'm a woman; I shouldn't be a pastor. And I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm this. And, and he said, "Come into my office." <laughs> and and it was just amazing. And actually, I honestly, Glenn will tell you, my husband's here tonight too, Uh, he will tell you, like, I just cried for a week. I was just overwhelmed that God would choose me to uh, pursue leading in in Generation Ministries. And um, so, yeah, that was definitely, that sense of call was definitely there from then on. I I did not consider that I would be a pastor ever until that moment. What did you think you were going to be? Oh, well, I was a... um, a primary teacher, I was teaching music, I was doing all sorts of things. <laughs> I was being a mum, yeah. Getting prepared so. for working with kids in the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was coordinating play groups and mops groups and yeah. So have you always had the affinity for like 
um, heading up like kids sort of programs and ministries, yeah. that sort of thing? Yeah, so my parents, uh, they did really well with um, us as kids. I'm one of four kids. Uh, our parents modelled ministry incredibly well. We lived for uh, four years on King Island in the middle of the Bass Strait where you get all the nice cheeses from. We lived there for four years and there were no, there wasn't a um, evangelical church um, in our town which was called Grassy. We lived at Gra- in a town called Grassy. It's good for the cheese and the cows. <laughs> it, was, it was green grass. That's, that's the whole secret. Um, and uh, they actually, uh, it was a mining town and there was the club and all the kids would go to the club, which was just like the pub on a, on a Sunday morning because there was nothing to do. And my parents actually started a Sunday school in the local primary school and just gathered with other Christians to run it. And by the end of our four years, there was like 100 kids gathered on a Sunday morning. And everywhere we went... My parents really pursued kids and ministering to kids. So then when we moved to Bendigo, they started the Gold Miners Club on a Friday night and uh, we dug for the treasures in the Bible. And yeah, so... that's nice. That's good. Yeah, Yeah, I think... That's smooth. Yeah, and so actually all all of my siblings, we've all pursued kids' ministry Only natural and that sort of upbringing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we are running out of time, unfortunately. Yeah, I can no, chat. no, it was good. Well, you know what this means. You are allowed to talk to Tracy after this, um, just in case you thought you needed permission. Um, but I thought that we'd finish up. I'd ask you one more question. Do you mind if I pray for you after yeah. and kind of commission you to the church? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, what are you more most excited for about starting at SCBC? Yeah, so I am. I am absolutely passionate about making sure that this coming generation that we have in the church knows that God loves them and pursues them and that they belong in the church. And so I am really excited about just cheering on parents and families to do their role in the home, cheering on just anybody in their ministry to be able to pursue uh, their giftings and their calling and uh, just as a church to just be that light in the community and just to be a part of that with everybody is really exciting for me. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, would everyone like to stand as we pray for Trace? I think we'll just do it as well. It's more natural if we're standing as well. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for... Um, bringing trace that feeling of, of home at this church, Lord. We thank you that you've created an environment where um, we are developing that feeling for ourselves as well, Lord. And we thank you so much that um, you've given trace that uh, deep call to this church, that that call to help families, to help kids and the next generation coming through that will end up changing the church, Lord. Um, and we pray for her time at this church that um, you would be within all of it, Lord, that... Um, she would just feel so welcome here um, that we would uh, make her job easy as well and um, that we would all be making sure that we're welcoming as well. And we thank you so much um, that you've sent her here for us, um, that she can help our church and that she can serve your ministry, Lord, and make more disciples of you, especially with the, the younger generations, Lord. And uh, as we close up this chair meeting, Lord, I just want to pray for Tracy's uh, job here, her commission to this church, Lord, that um, yeah, as I said, you would be within that, that you would go before and with her, Lord, in, in her role here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that. Oh, I got it. To Tim, before you go, challenge for you. You see Glenn sitting there? Yeah. Your beard? You need to level up, mate. Just, I That's just trimmed it today, all right? Aspiration right there. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Trace and Glenn and Glenn's beard. Yeah, my, my name is Scott. I have the privilege to bring the congregational prayer. A L- little bit about me. I was born in Alice Springs and lived there in Darwin, so shoes optional for the first X years of my life. But Joe says I have to wear shoes if I get up on stage at church, so do as your wife says. So we'll now um, share a time of, uh, of corporate prayer together. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this, this glorious yet broken creation, Lord, that we know that, that you have a plan for all of us and the whole world, Lord. Lord, the heavens declare your glory. The skies proclaiming the work of your hands and we see the evidence of your creation every sunrise, every sunset as we, as we look out, Lord. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your nature that that even though we were still sinners, you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us. Lord, we are sorry for those times that we have sinned in action, words, and thoughts. We are sorry for the time that we put our pride in front of striving to live like Jesus through the power of the Spirit, when our own selfish desires turn us away from marching in the right direction, Lord to running the good race, to fighting the good fight. But Lord, we thank you that we know that when we confess our sins, you are faithful, you will forgive our sins, and you purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we pray that we will be obedient and humble, humble and submit ourselves to you fully and allow your spirit to transform us. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you give in our life. Even those times that may be tough, Lord, we know that they have a purpose. Lord, we pray for all of those who serve in the different ministries. We thank you, Lord, for those who pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for bringing Pastor Trace and Glenn to our church. Lord, we pray that you'll raise up more workers. We pray that any people here feeling that's, that, that stirring to serve, Lord, will, will act on that. We need more people to serve, more people to pray, more people to, to give faithfully of, of, of their time and their resources so that your, your kingdom may grow. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering. We pray for those who are going through physical, uh, mental anguish, those who are not in a good place at the moment, Lord. We pray that you may comfort them at all times. And we pray for those seeking medical help, work through the hands of the doctors and the medical professionals to support them, Lord. Lord, we pray that in our own lives that we will strive to live like Jesus. Lord, we pray that through our actions, through faith, not through works, that others will know that you are our disciples from our love for one another, and that we may be faithful and serving and caring, and that we may positively glow with the joy that comes from being saved, from the joy that comes from being undeserved, but the joy that comes from being forgiven, our sins wiped clean, a new creation. We pray these things in your name. 
I wouldn't get too worried about that, Scott. I believe it was David's wife, Mikal, who was punished for being upset at stripping off clothes, of David stripping off clothes. So I'd watch out, Joe. <laughs> All righty.
Thanks so much, Tim and team. Uh, team that was quickly thrown together. They've done an exceptional job tonight. 
So thank you so much for that. Guys, we're going to go straight to the Bible reading. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to do Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. So if you'd like to turn to that, I'll be reading from the NIV 2011. So Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. May God bless this reading of his word. A couple of things, guys. Uh, I'm not going to give any names, but uh, the church has been praying for a gentleman in this church for between 10 and 15 years. I got a text message this afternoon. He gave his life to Christ. How awesome is that? And uh, I'm sure you'll find out who that is. But uh, in the five and a half years I've been here, we've been praying for him. So, um, And I know that the church has been praying for him for a lot longer than that. So that's an incredible blessing. Very, very thankful for that. I uh, would also like you to pray for Pastor Darrell. It's a hilarious story, I have to tell you. Uh, Pastor Darrell took his grandkids to the Yekka big mistake, hey? Uh, the last exhibit they went to was the reptile exhibit where there was lots of snakes and lizards and things like that. So Pastor Darrell actually had a nightmare about a snake attacking him. And so he bolted out of bed into the wall of the bedroom and he's damaged his shoulder and he's got this huge egg on his head. And, and it's funny, but it's also bad. So, so please be praying for Pastor Darrell. He managed to get through the services this morning, but I'm not. did you see him up this morning, Trace? He, he's limbering up the back, trying to get his shoulder working, but yeah, so pray for him. Um, hopefully he'll come through that okay. Poor bloke. I feel so sorry for him. <coughs> yeah, no, it's terrible, isn't it? It's terrible, isn't it? But anyway... Uh, that's cool. So guys, obviously we're going through this series of one another's and um, I've shown you this slide before and, and uh, it just covers a few of those one another's. And I'm sure that the majority of you are aware that Paul wrote Ephesians, the bit that I've just read out of. And in this chapter, this, this chapter four uh, um, of Ephesians, Paul focuses on life as a believer and also the order of the church, how the church should be. And he speaks about the unity and purpose of the church, what we should all be doing and how we should all be striving towards that unity. And he also speaks about those common themes of grace, truth, faith, hope and love. And his desire is that every true believer that reads this will understand that their life is intrinsically caught up in the life of the church. You can't have one without the other. If you say you're a Christian and a follower of Christ, there's so much in Scripture that points to God's ecclesia, his gathered people, that we must also accept the church and accept that we have to be a part of that as well. You can't have one without the other. Our lives as Christians, as a result of our salvation in Christ, is caught up in that very nature, structure and life of the church. And so is our morality. None of them can be separated out, lived on its own. Our faith, our Christian walk, church life and morality are all one and part of the same whole. And you can't have any of them without accepting the other. Not if you're a true believer who follows Christ. And it's when we get that, when we understand that, we, we find that everything is much easier, especially 
building up one another. I've actually sent the wrong slides, haven't I? Or have you guys picked up the wrong ones? Good wife, can you please grab my phone and give them the right ones? We will continue. Let me pause and pray as we get into this and we'll see if we can fix that. But that is my fault. I do apologise. Father God, I thank you so much that we can gather this evening. I thank you for your love, your grace that you pour out upon us. And Lord, I pray for each of us to have open hearts, open minds, to hear your word this evening. And Lord, my desire is that this word that is proclaimed will transform someone's life tonight. I pray they'll be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so this passage that we've read is very rich in direction for us and as we should be living. It, it gives a lot of direction how we should be living. And so Paul kicks this off uh, in Ephesians 4.1 where he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to work, walk sorry, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now when we consider Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 have focused on God's grace and our salvation. And, and if you like, you know, we, we we just need to sit in that for a moment. We need to think about what that means for us as Christians. And once we establish our salvation and our life with God and all that he's done for us, um, then we move on to what Paul is doing uh, in the following chapters, beginning in chapter 4 here, where he talks about how we walk our Christian life, what our life should look like as we live from that position of salvation with God. And so Ephesians 4, 1 to 16 provide a framework um, which the next three chapters will cover regarding that walk. And Paul urges, appeals or begs us to walk in a manner worthy of our call. And he starts with that therefore, and that therefore points back to those chapters 1 to 3 that I've just mentioned. What he's really saying is because of God's great love, because of his incredibly powerful salvation, because he willingly reconciled you to himself, then you should live in that privilege. We should value all God has done so highly that we submit ourselves fully to him. And in submitting ourselves fully to him, we are ultimately shaped by him. Our lives are changed as a result of that. I'd like a little round of applause for my wife. Thank you. That's... Yeah, we're back on board. Whew. Saved by the bell. There's this life submitted and committed to him, which is our call. And it is you, the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, living in unity and not being satisfied with that, but striving for even greater and greater unity, which expresses our genuine love and care for each other as we strive towards that. And so Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And when Pastor Darrell gave us, uh, gave me this passage to speak on, he had all these things that he wanted to cover. Everything's there. There's nothing more we need to cover as far as this topic is concerned. So I'm just going to cover what's in verse 2. And uh, I encourage you to read through Ephesians, though, Ephesians 4, and just think about uh, what is being said there. It's a powerful passage of Scripture. But if we are living in that manner worthy of our call, then these things will be the things that are characteristics in our lives, things that are manifested in how we live. And these things 
will bring genuine unity to the church and we will express genuine care for each other. And obviously love will grow as a result of that. So the first point is humility. It's interesting that as these attributes or characteristics are mentioned, the first, uh, and it's mentioned many times throughout scripture, these types of characteristics, the first that is always mentioned is something about humility, something about submission, something about giving yourself away. And God's work strikes at the heart of what causes so many issues in life. People's pride and ego. I'm guilty. I I had an incredibly big problem with pride and ego. And, And God comes, and it's not about smashing people like that. It's not breaking them. But it's about redirecting their interests from themselves to something else. It's about guiding them to the one true light. It's a new way of thinking. We're told to renew our minds. This is counter to what the world would say, where they say, Put yourself first. You're number one. Think of yourself. Look after yourself and then look after everyone else. And God says that's not the way. His way is different. And so we renew our minds first and foremost. And then we're to elevate others. To think of them as more significant than ourselves. That's the way we are called to think. In Ephesians 2, 3 to 4, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And Paul says here in Philippians 2, 5, that we to have this mind amongst us, which is ours in Christ Jesus. So we come to him first and foremost, and then this is how we should develop. We should develop a mind which is counter to the world, which has the interests of others at heart more than those of the world. We're to think of them as more significant than ourselves. Could you imagine the impact we as a people would have if we just did that? If each of us considered the person near you to be of greater significance than yourself, of more importance than yourself. That's not to say you should deprive yourself of food and all those types of things and neglect yourself. That's not what this is about. But it's about thinking about what helps that person beside you, thinking about how you can interact with them, thinking about how you can love and care for them and show them the love of Christ. This isn't an option. It's what we are called to do. And Paul unashamedly portrays this type of humility as being essential to the Christian life, essential to our our living And in 1 Corinthians 12, we're called to honour and uphold all the parts of the body so that there will be no division amongst us, that the members will have the same care for one another. And it starts with each and every one of us willingly humbling ourselves before God and each other. And we're called to live in gentleness. The word which is translated gentleness here in verse 2 that we've read out is the same word that is translated as meekness. And we need to remember that meekness is not weakness. Um, Stott himself says that it is the gentleness of the strong. And uh, I really like that interpretation. It indicates a person who is strong, but who has mastered that often superior strength and willingly harnessed it in order to humbly serve others. So they, they can be much stronger. They can be overbearing on a person, but they choose not to do that. They choose to serve instead. 
So a meek person does not assert their own personal rights, neither before God or man. Being meek is not just called for here. It is one of the characteristics of Christ. And we see the word translated um, gentle here is that same word meek. When we look at Matthew 11.29, then down in Matthew 21.5, we see the word humble there. That is the same word again, which is meek. And so Jesus was that person. And in Matthew 20, oh, sorry, uh, we see here and in many places in the New Testament that Jesus is regularly described as gentle and lowly in heart. And I want you to think about that. Think about who Jesus was. And yes, when he came to earth, he was 100% man, but he was God. He created us. And he could have wiped us out with a word. He didn't have to interact with us. He didn't have to love us. But his whole attitude towards us was gentle and lowly. It was one of humility. It was one of meekness. And while walking this earth, he made no personal demands. He never insisted on his rights and how he should be treated. Everything he did was to honour God and serve his fellow man. And he calls us to do the same. And the next two characteristics that are mentioned in Ephesians 4.2 can be tied together. Patience and bearing with one another. And, and when we speak of patience here, it's literally about exercising a level of patience that can endure annoyances and difficulties over a prolonged period of time. And the bearing with one another can be translating putting up with each other. It's really that simple. We all have pet peeves, things that get under our skin, things that really annoy us. And for me, someone slurping their tea or coffee or noodles or soup drives me insane. It's possibly because if we made any meals at the, any noise at the meal table, you got backhanded for that type of thing. And it's just one of those things that really peeves me off. And... The second one is those who start slurping their tea, coffee, noodles or soup because I said it's one of my pet peeves. Yeah, you've all been there too, hey? I, I really hate people who drive well below the speed limit. And the ones that I hate more are those ones that speed up to the speed limit when you get to the only place you could possibly pass them. And then when you get to the end, they slow back down to well below the speed limit. Sounds like we should all be on our knees, yes? <laughs> they're, they're these pet peeves. And, and they annoy you, they get under your skin. And as we're studying for this, uh, who's the person being affected by all that? It's me. They're my peeves. They annoy me. They get under my skin. And the person doing them couldn't care less. They possibly don't even have any idea it has ticked me off. And we let these things affect us. It's a choice. And so as Christians, we're called to be patient with each other. We're called to bear with one another. And it's amazing how easily I can find fault with others, how I can point out the issues that they have and how their faults are constantly revealed to me. Maybe it's a gift. And... It seems that there's so many who feel justified in actually pointing those things out and letting the people know just how bad they are. 
But part of that renewing of our minds is to not think like that and adopt a different attitude. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 7. I'm just going to read verses 3 to 5. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This is Jesus speaking. Now, can you think about this literally? I'm standing up here, and I've got a log in my eye, and I'm walking over to Aurora, and I'm saying, you've got a speck in your eye, and then I'm like, oh, what did you say? And I wipe these two out. You know, I literally kill them because I've got this log sticking out of my eye. But I've got the audacity to say, Aurora, you need to get that speck out of your eye. And maybe I'm going to help her, but I keep hitting her in the head with the log because, you know, it's just an obstruction. And who says Jesus doesn't have a sense of humour? I mean, seriously. And so I'm walking around wreaking destruction because I haven't got rid of the log in my eye and my brothers and sisters have just got this small little thing in their eye. Now, what you need to hear is Jesus is not saying, don't point out the speck. But what he is saying is, come before me. If you think you're clean, if you think you know that you've got the speck out of your eye, pray to me. Ask me to reveal to you anything that you need to deal with. And then as we pray for him and ask him to reveal those things, he's going to, and we need to deal with that. We need to ask him for his forgiveness. We need to ask for his help in order to remove those things from our eyes which hinder us from being able to see the speck in our brothers and sisters. And yes, we go to our brother and sister, we tell them about the speck, but we do it in a loving way. We do it in a way which is to encourage, strengthen, and build up. Pastor Darrell said this morning, we have eagle-eyed vision when it comes to seeing the false in others others lives but we are blind as a bat when it comes to looking at our own lives and I think that's what's being covered in the Matthew passage as well we we need to be so aware of the things that hinder us so we're not hypocritical in how we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ and the call for us is to be patient and to bear with one another and it demonstrates how much we value the other person when we do show that patience and things like that they may have things mannerisms quirks or attitudes that we don't particularly like and trust me there's people here that have those mannerisms and quirks and attitudes that you aren't going to like, that I'm not going to like. But we are called to value, respect, uphold and care for every part of the body in 1 Corinthians 12. And particularly in 24 and 25. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And it's through that patience and willingness to put up with one another that we show the care that is required to build each other up, as the body is called to do, to care for one another. And in fact, in considering what this verse says, it's those things that those ones that are annoying who won't get praise, who won't get honoured from others, that we are actually called to honour and praise. We are called to elevate them. Those, those parts that uh, don't receive the honour, we're to give greater honour, and uh, the part that lacked it, we are to ensure that they don't feel that they're not a part of the body, and we're to bring that unity so there is no division amongst us as a people. And I believe all of this is a command to us. It doesn't come easy. It's going to be something you have to work at. 
is going to be something that you pursue constantly and ask for God's help constantly. But as we do it, and as we seek God's help in doing that, it's this last characteristic that will really help us. We are called to love each other. Being patient and having a willingness to tolerate others are both ways of expressing how we love and value each other. And they may be vastly different to us. But we do those things because we're called to love them. We're called to do that. And this love that is mentioned here is that agape love. And it doesn't really matter what that means. But it's a word that is rarely used in the original Greek outside of Jewish writings and the Bible. And the reason why that is the case is it's because it's a word that describes love in relation to God. And uh, Paul speaks about it in Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. Uh, our faith is grounded in it and our desire is to know more about the immeasurability of this love, its breadth, its height, its depth and its length. It's a love that surpasses all knowledge and all understanding. It's beyond our ability. It's a love first expressed by God to man, then man to God, and ultimately man to fellow man. That's what we're called to do. We first experience this love in Christ. And as we understand his great love for us and, what, and that it was his love that motivated him to come and die for us, We appreciate that love and we allow his love in us to overflow to our fellow man. It's a love that is commanded. It's not a feeling. It's a choice we make to love others. And we make that choice because God first loved us and we understand what that love means. It's a love that cannot be held to self as a result. It's a love that must be acted upon. It's a love that is expressed in what we do, not just in what we say. And in choosing to love like this, unconditionally, without an expectation of return, we will show a genuine willingness to bear with one another and to care for each other. And the outcome? Greater unity. And I hope you've seen and believe as we've moved through this series so far, that each of us are part of the other, part of the other believers when we speak about being the body of Christ. And that's what these sayings are about. We are called to receive one another, to think about one another, to serve one another, love one another, build one another up, bear with each other's burdens, submit to each other. And these aren't my sayings. These are God's. This is his word. And he directs and commands us to live like that. Jesus' life was the expression of looking to the good of others. He was not self-centred. He was other-centred. He thought of others before himself. He died for you and for me, his church, that we might be united. He lived in perfect unity with Father, with the Father, sorry, and the Spirit. And he wants the same for us. And you know what? Satan knows that. 
And he knows the power of a people united with God and with each other. And he will do everything he can to destroy that. He'll do everything he can to break that down. And so he inflates the differences that we have with others. He makes them look insurmountable. He feeds the egos of men because his agenda is to break down and destroy. He wants the church to remain broken, divided and dysfunctional. But we can all choose not to allow him to do that. We can all choose not to allow him to defeat us as a people of God. And that's individually and corporately as a body. So let's oppose him and his hordes by our conduct. Let's begin by agreeing to bear with each other and build each other up. Let's pray. Father God, again, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the challenge that is contained in this Simple verse, Lord. And I just pray we'll get it. I pray we'll understand it. I pray we'll apply it to our lives, Lord. I pray that your name will be honoured and glorified in how we live, Lord. I pray that when we slip up, Lord, and we see that Satan's beginning to get a foothold, we'll just push that aside, Lord. We'll rebuke him. We'll come back to you and ask you to cleanse us and reveal to us the things we need to do in order to be reconciled with you, but to reconcile with our brothers and sisters in Christ too. I thank you for the work you're doing at SDBC, Lord. I thank you that we are seeing greater and greater unity here and that people are striving after that. Father, please continue the good work that you've started. And Lord, as we head into this week, wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, may your face shine upon us. May you give us peace. May you be new to us each and every day. And may we just love being in your presence reading your word, praying, hearing from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple of things just before we begin the small groups. Um, I'm going to invite Erin out. It's Erin's last service with us, and Trace is going to come and pray for her uh, as they're coming. Uh, we've got hot chocolate tonight too, so 7 o'clock, guys, you can get a hot chocolate. Not before that. I'll slap your hands if you do. But, um, yeah, let's just, uh, I'll hand over to Trace. Thanks, Trace. My privilege to pray for you, Erin, as you head off to Japan. What day are you leaving this week? Oh, Tuesday night. Fabulous. So let's uh, pray for Erin as she prepares for Tuesday and for your ministry in Japan. Lord God, I just thank you so much for Erin and her heart for you. God, I, I thank you that you have this calling on her life. I thank you that you have called her to Japan, Lord. I thank you for the ministry that you have laid out before her and uh, the way that you will use her over in Japan, Lord. And we just pray specifically for this uh, these next couple of days as Erin prepares to leave. We pray particularly for health, Lord. Uh, that you keep her healthy, uh, that nothing will interfere her plans to, to get on that plane. I pray, God, that everything will go smoothly from here on and, Lord, that you would just bless her. Bless her abundantly, Lord, uh, when she lands. We just pray for everything to go well for her and, Lord, that nothing will impede her work for you. So, God, we pray a blessing on her. We go with her with our thoughts and our prayers, Lord, and we we just pray, God, that you would just bless her in this work that she is about to uh, partake for your kingdom. And uh, I pray for her now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks so much, Pastor Trace. Yep.
Thanks, Aaron. <laughs>